The Afterburn Podcast is a proud supporter of Guns Gear Memorial Foundation, helping our veterans and their families when they need it most. To learn more, visit gunsgarin.com slash rain. Want to make a podcast? Let me tell you about Spotify's program for podcasters, and it's called Spotify for Podcasters. I've been using it for over a year now. Couldn't be happier from the switch. You can record wherever you create podcasts, whether it be your phone, computer, and it's easy to upload it and distribute it to everywhere podcasts are heard. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. Best of all, Spotify for Podcasters is completely free. So launch your podcast today. Get started with Spotify for Podcasters. Go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. From Showtime and A24. We love most about Whitney. Comes a new series unlike any other. Well, where do I even start? Academy Award winner Emma Stone. I like how you fight for us. Nathan Fielder. Money doesn't really matter when it's about doing the right thing. And Benny Safdie. You guys are strong, right? At the end of the day, you're going to survive, right? Next question. New episodes of The Curse, streaming now on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. What's up? It's official. Ukraine is getting F 16s. This week, the U.S. has approved the Dutch and the Danes to deliver their F 16s to Kyiv. 19. Denmark F-16s are going to be delivered over the next three years to Ukraine. The Netherlands, with 42 F-16s, has not announced how many they're going to deliver. But today, I want to jump in and talk about a lot of the complexities and challenges with this game plan and whether or not it is going to be the golden bullet that saves Ukraine. The Netherlands and Denmark have stepped up, and they are the ones that are going to donate jets. Those are the ones we know so far. But there's a lot that goes into this. Not only is it just the donation or the delivering of iron, delivering of the F-16s to Ukraine, which is no small feat in itself, being that that is a significant asset these countries are giving up that they utilize for their defense of their nation and to participate in coalition operations. But we got to talk about training. We got to talk about logistics. We got to talk about the infrastructure that goes into this. So let's jump into the training aspect. Denmark and the Netherlands have already begun training Ukrainian F-16 pilots. They've reached capacity. So the U.S. has also announced this week that they will be training Ukrainian F-16 pilots. They're going to do so out of the 162nd Fighter Wing down in Tucson. There is a Dutch training detachment there. We have a couple coalition partners that are down there. We've trained the Iraqis down there, and that's Air National Guard pilots with a mix of a couple active duty pilots who are training U.S. Air Force F-16 pilots, as well as some of our partner nations that fly the F-16. So they're going to start absorbing and producing some capacity for Ukrainian F-16 pilots. There's also been an announcement that there's going to be a training center that is going to be developed in Romania for Ukrainian F-16 pilots, but there's a lot to this. So I have mentioned before, flying the F-16 is an easy thing to do, in my opinion. I think inherently, after a couple sims, you can throw someone who has been through pilot training or some other fighter training. You can throw them in an F-16 and they'll be able to figure it out. Employing the F-16 is the challenge. So what does training look like? Well, for our Ukrainian counterparts, it has not been announced publicly what that training is exactly going to be. But let's say you're an F-16 pilot in the United States. What did it take for you to get to the point where you're flying combat missions? Well, you spent a year in pilot training, learning to fly in a basic trainer, and then most likely an advanced trainer. In the Air Force, it's a T-6 is the basic trainer. It's a turboprop aircraft. 
and then a T38, which is a relatively old, supersonic capable, and I use that term loosely, trainer. And you're going to spend about a year between those two planes learning how to fly. Then you're going to go into introduction to fighter fundamentals, a six to nine week course, learning some basic fighter pilot skills and terminology and kind of getting you ready to go into the B course. The B course is where we teach the F-16, the F-15, the F-22. Those courses typically run eight, nine, 10 months where students are learning not only how to fly the aircraft, but learning some of the basic employment skills. Then you're going to go to your fighter squadron, and that is where you're going to spend another three, six, seven months learning how to do the mission of that jet, how to actually really employ it and really dig it into the weeds. So from start to finish, it's quite a lengthy process. Now let's assume you're an F-15 pilot going to the F-16. You already have fighter experience. You already have a tool bag full of airmanship. Well, it's not going to take you as long to go through the F-16 training but you're probably still going to spend three to five months learning how to transition to the F-16. And then when you come out, you're still a new guy or gal in the F-16. So it's going to take some time to figure out how to employ the F-16 and run the tactics and best manipulate the sensors and the tools available to you in that aircraft. So we can assume that most likely this first batch of Ukrainian pilots coming over to the United States and training in Denmark and the Netherlands as well as 11 other nations that are participating in this training, they're most likely former fighter pilots in Ukraine, or they're fighter pilots in Ukraine who've flown the MiG-29. They're coming over, and now they're going to have to learn the F-16. You do have a language barrier. Like Most likely, they have some English proficiency, but they've been flying around in a jet that was developed by the Soviet Union, and now they have to learn the Western style of aircraft, terminology, etc. So those are some challenges, but they're going to spend the time figuring out how to fly the F-16. Now they're basically dangerous enough to go out there and fly it and employ it. But really when it comes down to like, how do you best utilize this jet for what its strengths and what its weaknesses and capitalizing on those and monitoring those strengths and weaknesses, that's where it takes years and years of experience and lots and lots of reps to make it happen. So that's a significant challenge in and of itself. So then once these pilots pop out of F-16 training, they show back up in Ukraine you know, they're not getting a whole lot of airtime where they can just go out there and get the reps. It's trial by fire. They're operating in a contested environment. Their country is under attack. So this not only presents problems for the pilots, but for the maintainers, the logistics infrastructure, et cetera. That's baseline. They are in a conflict that is going to present challenges undoubtedly, and they're operating in an environment that is contested. You have advanced Russian to surface air missile systems. You have Russian fighters, all of which are very capable and can present challenges to the F-16 and any modern fourth generation fighter today. We've gotten accustomed, we've gotten used to operating in uncontested environments over the last 20 years. People think Iraq, people think Afghanistan. Well, there's no enemy fighter that's scrambling from a base launching to attack you. And there's no advanced surface air missile systems that are shooting you down from the sky. So the environment has changed, the tempo has changed, and these are all factors to consider when we're talking about Ukraine getting F-16s. It's not going to be the golden BB that turns the tide of this war. Next, let's talk about the maintenance aspect. Just like the pilots, maintainers have to be trained. And it takes a whole army of maintainers to make the F-16 fly. These jets are probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 30 to 40 years old. They take significant amount of maintenance in order to keep them flying and airborne. Even if it's a healthy jet, a post-flight still requires several maintainers doing routine maintenance to keep this thing 
airworthy. It's not an easy feat. So you have to train your maintainers, which again, you're learning a very complex system and systems. And now you have to go out there and take that knowledge and learn on the fly again in a contested environment. Now, this is also to say you need parts, part of that logistics infrastructure, being able to support the parts and the aircraft, the fuel, all these things. We're not even talking armament and weaponry. That's a whole other thing in of itself. If I would have kept making only the minimum payments on my credit cards, my debt would have taken me 47 years to pay off. These are real National Debt Relief customers. I knew I wasn't going to be able to get out of debt by myself. Credit card, medical, or personal loan debt? National Debt Relief negotiates with your creditors to reduce what you owe. National Debt Relief got me out of debt. You could be debt-free in as little as 24 to 48 months. Visit nationaldebtrelief.com to learn more and get started. nationaldebtrelief.com. Level up your listening with Bose Quiet Comfort Ultra Earbuds and Headphones with immersive sound and world-class noise cancellation for a not-so-silent night. Visit Bose.com slash Spotify to shop sound that's more than a present. But even in the U.S. Air Force, last year the F-16 mission capability rate, according to the Department of Defense, was about 70%, meaning 7 out of 10 U.S. Air Force F-16s were able to go to combat. 3 out of every 10 were not. They were down for heavy maintenance. Maybe they're being cannibalized for parts, etc. So we take that as an example, the nation or I guess depending if it's the U.S. or China, whatever year it is, who's spending the most money on their their defense. We're spending a lot of money, and that's the best we can do. I think it's fair to make an assumption that Ukraine is going to have significant challenges based on the environment, based on it being a new aircraft to them, and then trying to figure out how to keep these things airborne when they're probably flying them as much as possible. So again, more problems and challenges with that. Also to be noted that F-16s, there is a multitude of blocks and variants. We have A, B, C, D models. The U.S. Air Force is flying C and D models. D models are not combat coded. In the U.S. Air Force, we have Block 25s, Block 40s, Block 42s, Block 50s, Block 52s. All those have slightly different variations when it comes to avionics, engines, etc. Inherently, the airframe is basically the same and the performance is roughly the same with some differences of the engine characteristics but maybe a difference between analog flight control system and digital flight control system. So when we jump to the Ukrainians getting F-16s that are being donated, there is going to be a difference between the Dutch F-16s and the Danes when they donate their F-16s. They're both Block 15s to my knowledge, but again, the Dutch might have different upgrades or different avionics or different suite than Denmark purchased when they acquired their F-16s. So again, there's one more challenge or difference that's going to be induced into this problem set. Piggybacking on the logistical aspects, so one, we got to make sure that there are parts available for maintainers to work, tools available, spaces for them to work, as well as the knowledge to be able to work. But just the infrastructure for the F-16 alone does require some differences. Now, Ukraine has been operating MiG-29s. I'm not an expert when it comes to the MiG-29, but I think we probably can assume the performance when it comes to runway infrastructure is similar. Big difference for the F-16, though, that intake underneath the cockpit where all the air flows into the engine, that is a huge vacuum. The F-16 is very susceptible to FOD, so foreign object debris. It could be a trash bag that gets sucked down the intake, a book, a piece of trash. You have to have a pristine environment, little pebbles and rocks, FOD walks, FOD prevention, FOD attention is a very big deal when it comes to the F-16. 
Now that can be probably a pretty quick fix with beating attention and detail uh, into these maintainers and these pilots as they start operating F-16, but it's something that can be a big deal and can be catastrophic to the F-16. So all in all, Ukraine getting F-16s, it's probably a great thing. You know, we're supporting a nation that is under attack. That said, this is not a golden BB. This is not going to be an easy fix. Just outlining the rollout of the Danes who have said, hey, this is how many jets you're getting. It's going to be three years. You're taking six jets by the end of this year, eight jets next year, and five jets in 2025 from Denmark. Again, this is not a fast, easy fix. And when it comes to the iron, that's going to take a lot of time. When it comes to training pilots and maintainers, that is going to take a lot of time to get them ready. Let me know what you think about this. If you enjoyed this episode, you're watching over YouTube, drop a comment down below, send me an email. You can go over to the afterburnpodcast.com and reach out via the contact section if you have some feedback for this. The Afterburn Podcast is a proud supporter of Guns Gear Memorial Foundation, helping our veterans and their families when they need it most. To learn more, visit gunsgarin.com slash rain.